electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Oil prices dropping. The White House energy whisperer, Amos Hochstein, on production and the impact of tapping our emergency petroleum supply. We need to have an SPR that is full than it is today for national security and economic emergencies in the future. We still have 400 million barrels. That's a lot of barrels. And look out, holiday travelers. The head of a 15,000-strong airline pilots union has a warning. You make it sound like we are just one little weather event away from just having a nightmare of a Thanksgiving. Yeah, that is the truth. Plus, the rest of today's stories that got us squawking. Bob v. Bob, date two at Disney. Crypto exchange FTX's official bankruptcy filing. You have a great phrase, Joe. Money goes to money heaven. And a legendary short trader goes after the memes. Is there a squeeze coming? The mother of all, what is it? Moass. Moass, mother of all short squeezes. It's Tuesday, November 22nd. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one. Hugh Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan this morning and Melissa Lee. Becky is out. Good morning, Melissa. It's nice Melissa to see you. Lee. We've got a... What did you just say, Joe? I said Melissa Lee is here. I don't like know. like an octave higher. I'm happy. I'm good. It's good. It's all good. It's all good. And it's like We're going to have a lot of fun Tuesday. and we've got a lot to like talk Friday. about because yeah. between Bob Iger and Elon Musk and Carl Icahn this morning and everything else, there's a lot to do. Let's talk a little energy. When you're looking at WTI, uh, and someone told me the other day, they said, you can't really buy it by the barrel. And I said, well, you know, you, can't, you buy it. That's, that's how we do it. If you buy it by the barrel, it's $80.60, Melissa, though I've never bought it by the barrel myself. See, but it comes in quarts, usually. <laughs> and you put, they put one of those little things in there, you know, and then they turn it over, turn it WD-40 or something. What? Is that how you buy oil? WD-40 is just the little can. It's like a little no, not WD-40. That's uh, like a lubricant. No, no. The, you know, the, see, that shows you when I buy it, I have to <laughs> ask for help, depending on. Uh, I'm not dropping the transmission or, or, or changing my I don't, neither one of us. Have you ever changed the oil in a car, no. Andrew? Uh, well, Melissa, I, I, you I'm have not, a better chance of having questions. done it. <laughs> you have a better chance of having done it uh, than us. You don't have a dog, do you? No. Why do you ask? You have because when you two. come home to see a dog, they're mm-hmm. no matter what, they're happy, and that's how I was. I, I wasn't you, trying. You're saying that you're you're a right. dog. I was not trying to emote that I'm glad you're here. That was, it was, that was you just genuine, totally natural. A genuine two octave higher. Yes, Melissa Lee is here. Yeah, Andrew's happy too. I appreciate right? that. I, 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 I'm happy I to be here. Be I truly am. You truly are. I, that I, seems more sincere than previous times when you said you're happy to be here. We're almost in the holidays. I'm only doing it one day. I'm happy to be oh, here. It's the only one day that's got her. That's. If it were a week and it's Thursday, it might be a different story. 
Bob Iger is already making changes at Disney following his return to the CEO job. He told employees the entertainment giant will be undergoing a restructuring in coming weeks. Among the first changes, Disney's head of media and entertainment, Kareem Daniel, is leaving. He was viewed as a right-hand man of uh, now former CEO Bob Chapek. Iger telling employees he wants a new structure that, in his words, puts more decision-making back in the hands of creative teams and rationalizes costs. Shares of Disney closing up by more than 6% yesterday. $10.5 billion added in market cap. Doesn't always turn out great. Howard Schultz, that worked. Steve Jobs, that worked. Does this one work? That's the conjecture. Because it's a different time, different place, different, uh, so different issues. Well, the question is being one you... of the greatest CEOs ever, right? Yeah, but... So why come back unless you really think that you can do something and leave well, it a better place? Right, we... Why would you sully that? Because we talked, about, we talked about that, that they just... Being in the game and the king of Hollywood, the king of Disney. I mean, that that would be you go to the so Oscars. You say. no, I just think, yeah, if, but you know, you Joe, got grand. Gonna, yeah, go ahead. Andrew. what you think he's I'm, doing it for shareholders? I'm going to give you the the optimistic view. The optimistic view is that he looks at the business. He looks at where the economy is today and he says upside from here. Now, look, there are mm. secular headwinds. There are wow. economic yeah. headwinds, we could argue. But. But depending on where you think we are in the cycle, and look, he yeah. was a beneficiary of a very long cycle, actually, mm -hmm. that had wind to some degree at his back. And whether he thinks that there is now wind once again, or at least the opportunity for wind is back, I don't know. And obviously, right. look, there's some analysts who have upgraded the stock. Uh, the stock moved uh, remarkably higher. Uh, there's another analyst this morning, by the way, that came out and said, look, a lot of these things were decisions in terms of going to streaming and the like were things that were Bob Iger projects to begin with, and, and we're not changing our view. In crypto uh, news, FTX executives and lawyers will be uh, in a Delaware courtroom today for a first appearance before a bankruptcy judge. Creditors and customers may pay close attention to any details on how the exchange, the bankrupt exchange, is planning to deal with its debts and customer funds. FTX plans to ask for permission to pay outside vendors and key suppliers to consolidate bank accounts and establish uh, new ones, but I think that the the depression is getting worse for people that are waiting for money. I, I think they're starting right. to wonder. But what what is it? It's not going to be Man United or whatever the hell. What was Corzine's company where people got it back? Man Financial. Man, yeah. What yeah, was no, it? I, yeah. I look. What was what was Corzine? Get it, get it right. What are we talking? Oh, I oh, don't remember. Corzine did. You know, oh, there was some. Yeah, yeah. Oh, MF yeah, Global. Um, MF Global, right. not MF Global. Man. Yeah, MF, MF, Global. MF Global. MF Global. People got whole. That's and they said People maybe it'll be whole. like it that. It took years for them to get whole. I think this is going to be. What, what you, you have a great phrase, Joe. Money goes to money heaven. Money goes to money, money heaven. Might be in money. Might but be it in went. Money right about now. It went in <laughs> crypto assets in heaven. So they have a lot of those up there. I don't know what they're good for necessarily. Meantime, I want to I want to hear what both of you guys think about this because this actually has a huge impact on on maybe what's happening here. Crypto lender Genesis now saying it has no immediate plans to file for bankruptcy. Genesis suspended custom redemptions days after the collapse of FTX. Bloomberg reported the firm was having trouble raising fresh cash for its lending unit. The Wall Street Journal says that Genesis approached Binance for an investment, but Binance decided not to proceed. Now, Genesis also said to have approached Apollo Global Management, but in a statement, a Genesis spokesperson says the firm continues to have conversations with creditors 
tends to, quote, resolve the current situation consensually without the need for any bankruptcy filing. But clearly, guys, pressure on that business and the ripple effects from FTX uh, continue. I want to tell you about what's going on, uh, if we could, with Coinbase. Take a look at this stock, by the way, because it has uh, just been, um, you know, now it's worth about $10 billion less. Uh, it is now worth, I shouldn't say $10 billion, it is worth less than $10 billion for the first time since it went public last year. Peak market cap uh, was $77 billion, $77 billion in early November of last year. The stock down more than 80% so far. And then the other thing I saw, Melissa, and I know you're, you're crypto, you know, you've been covering the crypto space uh, as, as much, if not more than anybody. I don't know if you saw this. This to me was a, a fascinating letter that Coinbase put out to basically make um, customers of Grayscale feel more comfortable to say, look, we have all of this stuff in custody and we don't lend it out. We don't move it around. It doesn't go to other accounts. And I think that this is an issue that people are concerned about basically across the, the entire space. Have you seen what the GBTC is trading at? It's like seven bucks a, a I unit. Uh, I mean, the, the, the spread between but Grace, what GBTC is trading at versus Bitcoin is the widest, I think, on record at this point. So then so the question real is, questions. is there some kind of arbitrage play? If, well, that had always been the talk. But, but because right. the only way to unlock that is if, if, Grace, if GBTC actually converts to an ETF. And that has been, those hopes have been dashed time and time again. And, and at this point, do you think the SEC is going to say, you know what? In this environment, we're going to say A-OK to a, a Bitcoin ETF. That seems a little doubtful right now, at least for the time being. But that did that did make people feel a little better, I think, knowing that uh, it was that a huge was number of oh, yeah. Bitcoin. What was it, 685,000? Used to be worth a lot. Used to trade at a premium. Right. Billionaire investor Carl Icahn is betting against, in this case, we said a meme stock, it's GameStop. Bloomberg uh, reports that Icon began shorting the stock during the meme frenzy back in January of 2021 when the stock uh, was near its peak of $483 uh, a share. Icon has reportedly been adding to this position from time to time, uh, staying, uh, saying that the stock could fall even more and that it's not trading on fundamentals. But at your own peril, do that. Cause none, of the, peril, none of the meme Melvin stocks trade. Trade Melvin on their, Capital, yeah, right. They, I mean, yeah, none of them trade on their own fundamentals, but they have sure. But then the question is: is there a, is there a squeeze coming? Right. Right. Is the oh. is the the mother of all what, what is it? Moa mother Moas mother of all short squeezes. Squeezes, right? Mother of all. Short and what squeezes. about this? What about this relationship, well, this folks? Like, oh. What about that? RC. An icon. There he they is, look pretty Ryan chummy. Cohen. I don't do. know if they're chummy, but I, I think that by the way, Ryan Cohen has always admired, has always admired uh, Carl Icahn. I thought that they that that was sort of how that that what that relationship was. So interesting to see the uh, the mentor turning we'll on the pull mentee. that out of our Maybe. our. Mother of all asses. How do we, uh, what, mother of all, what do we say? Mother of all. Short squeezes. Uh, short squeezes. But, but, but you said mo ass. Mo because that's, I know. that's, that's the acronym. I know. Can I, know. I just say, I started going down that road with the, as I was trying to spell oh, it out. And I thought, it. maybe I'm going to, I could mess this one up. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, early, you know, we have lately, 
We have lately pushed <laughs> the envelope a little and then really? been told not to push it. Becoming more risque here on Squawk Box. Cheese will be next. Coming up, oil prices closed below $80 a barrel for the first time in months. The sell-off due to COVID fears in China and weakening economic conditions globally. White House Energy Advisor Amos Hochstein is up next on oil around the world, and the U.S. is tapping of the emergency reserve supply. He'll join us from the White House lawn. Do you know who does that gas-powered leaf blow every time you and Jared Bernstein are on? Is that done deliberately? <laughs> Squawk Pod will be right back. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod, taking you behind the sounds of Squawk Box on CNBC. And now is probably a good time to remind you that guests join our show from all over, on set, via Zoom or Skype, at remote events, and many times from where they work. And if that is the White House on a weekday morning, our TV cameras are outside on the North Lawn, and Squawk Box is smack in the middle of morning landscaping. Here's Joe Kernan. Crude oil prices dropped uh, sharply yesterday on a Wall Street Journal report that OPEC Plus might increase output by 500,000 barrels a day. Crude rebounded when the Saudi Arabian energy minister denied the journal's report. Stateside, uh, AAA says national average gas prices are down 11 cents a week, a gallon in the past week. Amos Hochstein, special presidential coordinator for international energy affairs, joins us now. He's uh, you're there. You're there for a lot of these discussions. You probably know what's going on, uh, Amos. I just don't know if you're willing to, <laughs> to totally share with us what's going on. So th- these delegates definitely said that there might be uh, an increase. What should we take of the, from the, the Saudi minister pushing back on that? Do you know where it stands right now on, on what they're going to do? Well, good morning, Joe, and thanks for having me. Look, uh, we're definitely not party to any OPEC deliberations. We're not members of OPEC or any organization setting prices. Uh, the president's been really focused on trying to bring prices down here in the United States, uh, specifically to consumers, and that's what we've been trying to do and make sure that, uh, I know we focus a lot on Brent, but WTI, the American price is down uh, to about $80, and gasoline prices have been coming down sharply for the last many weeks now, a couple of months. Uh, so we're, we're very uh, pleased to see the prices coming down. We want to make sure that both that oil companies, both uh, the national oil companies around the world and oil companies here at home continue to increase production to bring prices further down. Well, we'll talk more about that uh, almost. But 
as far as, as palace intrigue, and I know you know this stuff, and I'm, I, I know you can't probably tell us, but when the Biden administration told the, the federal court judge that MBS, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, has sovereign immunity from this lawsuit, that was, that was, that was nice. That was conciliatory. And there had been some uh, acrimony between the United States and, and the Saudis. Uh, it, it just seems interesting that, that we, they would even, after cutting, that they'd even broach the possibility of cooperating uh, right before Russia, right before the cap goes, maybe goes on, on Russian oil. It's like they're, they're helping us out right after, and I would say that was the right move for them um, because of the China situation and the lockdowns. It made sense for the Saudis to cut production because oil all of a sudden was $79. Uh, almost. So uh, it, it, is there any quid pro quo behind that, that, uh, that we're being nicer to them and, and they might cooperate? Uh, there's no quid pro quo. I think the, de the decision on, on uh, the immunity was uh, a strict legal decision by the lawyers about him becoming a prime minister and uh, determination uh, that was made by the lawyers. That was not done by policymakers, uh, but really just a legal one. As far as their decision to cut, you know, we, you know, you and I may disagree on that. I think that uh, a two million cut announcement at the time was, we, we did not believe was warranted. Uh, I think that prices were at about 88 uh, or 87 when they announced that. It went up to almost $100 and settled back down, uh, mostly because, you know, when you announce a cut at two million, what we all know is that two million is not going to be cut and most countries are not in a position to cut uh, production and definitely not cut exports. So I think that where their deliberations are are not connected to the policymaking, and uh, they're gonna have to make their own decisions. I think this part of the stress in the market is when you have these monthly uh, palace intrigues, you know, every month, every couple of months, uh, versus what they used to do, which is to meet a lot less frequently. Uh, but we're, uh, again, I'm not gonna get into the palace intrigue there, as you called it, uh, but rather focus on bringing the prices down and do what we have to do here at home. Almost the, uh there's been some stuff swirling around more palace intrigue about a, a permitting bill, maybe during the lame duck session or maybe next year Republicans want to do it. Do you what's the calculus there? I don't even know who I don't I, I don't know who wants to do it. Who's getting in the way of doing it? Do you does the Biden administration? You just said we want to produce as much as we can. Does the president want to get a, per, a permitting reform done and would that happen now that the Republicans have the House? Well, you know, the Republicans will have the House obviously next next year after right. they come back from uh, from the lame duck is going to be still uh, in Democratic. Anything uh, before majority. then? Uh, look, I, I, I don't know. I think we, we've been trying to work with Congress all, this whole time to make sure that uh, we can get permitting reform that makes sense uh, to pass. That's the president said that in his remarks a um, couple you know, about a month ago. Uh, that he was looking forward to it. We need it uh, not just for what we're discussing here today, but as we uh, look at renewable energy, uh, we have some extraordinarily long uh, wait times uh, and delays in being able to get projects approved. So I think there's agreement that we, we need this and Congress needs to f see if they can work together and to come up with a proposal that would uh, make sense and, and be able to pass and that would still uh, maintain the president's support. Yeah, it'd so, be nice. You know, that, it'd that's be very bipartisan. We, we, both sides could, could claim a, a victory. It seems like something that both sides um, kind of want to do. Although I think Senator Manchin got mad about 
I don't know, the coal comments, a lot of palace intrigue. That's what we like to talk about. Uh, and I know you know all this stuff. Do you know who does that gas-powered leaf blower every time you and Jared Bernstein are on? Is that done deliberately? Do you know when, when we're doing you must have, I'm, start, I'm starting to wonder that myself. <laughs> you must have really nice landscaping. Uh, but, uh, but I, the, I got to tell you, there's a lot less palace intrigue than there is than discussion, think, uh, than there's discussion of palace intrigue. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to disappoint. I think there's a lot more focus on the policy. and That and does how disappoint. To, Look, Joe, hey. you and I have had conversations the last several months, and at the end of the day, um, if you look at where we are today, uh, over the arc of the last many months, with inflation, with the inflation concerns over rising, prices rising, we've been really laser-focused, and I know you, you don't like me saying it a lot, but we were laser-focused on bringing the prices down. So I'm, I, I think the president's happy with the fact that the trajectory of prices is coming down. I think oil prices are still probably a bit higher than they should be. Uh, and we need to make sure now we have to turn our efforts to making sure that we not only bring prices down, but we have all the security of supply that we need for the energy system in the United States, whether it is on the oil production or natural gas. Uh, but it's also on the inputs for uh, electric vehicles. You just had a conversation on your show. We have to make sure we have all the inputs for uh, the green energy future and make sure that we have those supply chains. So that's really the focus of where we're paying attention and trying to look less at the uh, at the palace injury. Well, OK, so a couple of things. Number one, China lockdowns and, and the Fed raising rates and, and trying to orchestrate maybe a, 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 a slowdown, at least, whether it's a recession or not. Those aren't the greatest ways to, to, to lower the price of oil. Plus, we've been you know, tapping the SPR, which a lot of people uh, criticize, especially if we're down below $80. We're not today. We're back up. But definitely time to end that. Would you start buying? When would you start buying back the oil to try to replenish that? What, what kind of price would we be talking about? Almost? So I, we, we agree with you. Uh, look, we, we, we've been tapping the SPR, and I don't think there's much criticism today for what we've done. We, that was a critical part. Uh, the releases from the SBR are a critical part of bringing prices down when we did them. Just imagine if we had not increased supply by a million barrels a day. But today we have to be we have to be really opportunistic and look at the market and where it is to see if it makes sense to do continued SPR releases. The president was, would like to replenish the SPR in full uh, of what we release, so an additional 180 to 200 million barrels. And I think when prices start reaching towards that $70 mark, uh, that's when we're probably going to be looking at some, somewhere around that range of 70, 72, 73, or maybe a little bit below that. Uh, we'll look to uh, immediately begin to increase uh, and to repurchase uh, oil into the SPR. And that's because we need to have uh, an SPR that is fuller than it is today for national security and economic emergencies in the future. We still have 400 million barrels. That's a lot of barrels. We still can manage any emergency, but looking into the future, when prices come down into that $70 range, we're going to look to be uh, buyers in the market. Well, almost, I, I think that um, when the Saudis agreed to the cut and OPEC Plus agreed to the cut, that, that certainly stung them that, that we criticized them for sort of helping Putin and, and helping Russia and being on Russia's side. So uh, once this happens with, with the, uh, you know, I'm not sure what Europe and what's going to happen with the uh, the Russian oil exports, and, and we're going to see that over the next week play out. But do you think there's a good chance that the Saudis want to push back on the notion that they were helping Russia? So maybe there is a chance for, for some production increases, even though 
the, the Saudi minister said they weren't going to do it. Is there a thawing in, in the relation? Are things a little bit better between us and them at this point? Look, I think that the net effect of any country that or any organization or anything that happens that raises oil prices, the net effect of that is uh, that it's that it helps Russia's war effort because that's the only thing that Russia has left in their economy. Everything else is gone um, and under international pressure. So the only thing they have is oil. So when oil prices shoot higher, uh, that helps the the war machine, uh, the Putin war machine. So we're I'm not looking at anybody's intentions and I'm not uh, doubting anyone's uh, motivations. Uh, but the net effect is that it helps Russia. So that's why keeping prices stable is so important. Uh, and you're right, we're gonna we're going towards December five, where we're gonna have the oil ban come into effect. Uh, you know, the EU is working uh, its way through the price cap. And uh, we're going to we're in discussions with them as they as they work on that uh, to announce what that price range is and to get agreement in the EU 27 uh, to make sure that they can put that into effect. So I think we're going to be seeing a, a, an ability for the market to continue to have the Russian barrels on it, uh, but to mitigate the revenues that Putin can get from it. So as long as we're all marching in the same direction, as long as we're all rowing in this direction, we're I think we're going to be able to. Uh, make sure that we have the oil that we need, that the price is going to be at a place where it supports economic growth. Uh, and that's even with the Chinese lockdowns, we still have to be very mindful uh, to make sure that we have the supply to meet, to reach uh, and match the uh, global uh, economic growth that we're hoping to see. Very good. Uh, good to have you on. Um I, I get some stuff out. I, I, I don't know. I see some palace <laughs> intrigue. I see, when it's all said and done, I still think there's some, good, some interesting things going on, although your answers are very, always very tactful and, uh, and perfect. Anyway, thanks, Amos. Good, good to right, have thanks. you on. Thanks, okay. Joe. Good. See you. Next on Squawk Pod, Turkey Day travelers say thank you to your airline pilots. They're stretched thin to get you home for the holidays. Captain Dennis Tazer speaks for 15,000 American Airlines pilots when he says they're doing their very best. Just because it's legal does not mean it's safe or smart. And we keep seeing management running along this barbed wire fence. And we're very concerned that eventually you're going to get cut. Squawk Pod will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic. Q. Good morning, and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Melissa Lee. Thanksgiving is around the corner, and more than 4.5 million travelers plan to fly this holiday weekend. That's an 8% increase from last year, and nearly back to pre-COVID levels. For a look at whether the airlines are ready for this holiday travel surge, let's bring in American Airlines Captain Dennis Tager, the spokesman for the Allied Pilots Association and Union, representing 15,000 professional pilots. Dennis, great to have you with us. 
Are we going to be in a, in a better situation this year compared to, say, last year when there were pilot shortages and also shortages um, in, in air traffic control? So it, it really created snarls when there were delays. Well, you have the same situation going on now, but what's cooperating is Mother Nature. If you want to know how the flight uh, schedule is going, just take a look at your uh, radar map on your phone. And uh, we like what we're seeing right now. We've instituted some policies at American uh, just from the summer. We saw this coming. So we have pre-plotted overtime where pilots can plan their lives around uh, trying to get uh, more income for their families, but also help maintain a reliable airline. But we are still operating on the brink of fatigue. The schedules are continued, that they're loaded up, they haven't been stress test, tested, and uh, our pilots are feeling it out there. But so far, so good. Um, we're going to keep at it, and uh, our passengers just have to know we want to get home and on our way just like uh, they do. But there is a change in the way business is done, not only in the airline business, but our pilots are looking for that same, the world changed, but mine didn't, and a work-life balance and schedule flexibility, which will ultimately lead to more reliable airline and more flights out there for our passengers to fly on. So when you say the brink of fatigue, what does that mean, Dennis, for, for a pilot? Are they working many more hours? Are their shifts more difficult? Can you give us an idea of, of what you're talking about? You hit it all. We are being scheduled up to the legal maximums in many cases, so there's very little buffer. Secretary Buttigieg uh, noted this over the summer. You've got to build in more buffers and stress test your system. We continue to see flights right on up to the maximums. And then the other thing that happens is even if your flight is uh, not up against the legal maximum, I was just out flying the other day, very delayed, and we started talking about whether or not we were going to be able to continue safely because of our fatigue uh, condition. It turned out we made it and we were safe, but this is an FAA requirement before each flight. Pilots have to sign off, I'm fit for duty, and if you're not, then you cannot continue the flight. So just because it's legal does not mean it's safe or smart, and we keep seeing management running along this barbed wire fence, and we're very concerned that eventually you're going to get cut, but we're going to defend that margin of safety. And more importantly, we're trying to recover our airline business. The shortage of pilots that can be trained, the pipeline, the training pipeline is so jammed up right now, it's taken three months to get a pilot from being hired to get into training and another two months before they're actually ready to fly passengers. In the airline business, I know we're in the Thanksgiving weekend, we like what we're seeing, but in the airline business, the summer is tomorrow. If our management team doesn't get its act together and work with us on this training pipeline, we are not going to be flying as much as we could and should fly this summer. So basically, Dennis, if we have very windy conditions someplace, we have a storm someplace, that's going to throw everything out of whack. I mean, it makes you make it sound like we are just one little weather event away from just having a nightmare of a Thanksgiving. You know, th that is the truth. And it's not just Thanksgiving. We're looking at December. We know when the weather hits, particularly snow, it takes a lot longer to get out of that. It's the storm after that has hit the airline industry. And that storm center, the generator for that is in the actual planning. And we've seen it this past summer. And we're very concerned that going into the holidays, they keep going for the revenue. We understand we want to fly as many airplanes as possible. But when you can't fly them reliably, you create a deficit of trust. And that's why I'm on this program right now. Everybody's wondering, are we going to make it? It shouldn't be that way. And it doesn't have to be that way. And airline uh, pilot unions across the industry are trying to change that. But they're telling management, 
Our pilots want something different. We know the money's going to come. That's a market rate, but it's this work-life balance. They see their neighbors, their professionals uh, that are able to work work-life balance issues and work. We can't work remote for uh, flying the airplane, but we sure as heck can get some type of quality of life and be home. Americans scheduling us on four and five day trips now. It's just insane. We gotta go. Thanks so much. Thank you. At this time of year, we're excited about 2023, aren't we? It's coming, we're gonna have the glasses. Look where we are. I mean, in Times Square. Right, exactly. Where do people go to the bathroom in Times Square? I think they I don't. know. I think I know where they go. I think I know where Too they go. Too early for that kind of talk. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Thanks to Melissa Lee for sitting in today. Please tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts to catch the best of our show anytime. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.